0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm your host, Adi Bulubasis. I have Lambro. We're missing Peter today. But of course, we have the newest member of the podcast team, Costa Levoyanis. As you all know, Costa from Libyakos EU. Costa, thank you so much for joining us. I know you guys have all seen his multiple appearances, interviews. He's very knowledgeable about Libyakos and we're very excited to welcome him to the podcast as we continue to grow the Libiacos community in the diaspora. Gosta, welcome, buddy. Love to have you as an official part of the team. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything you've done. And we're glad to start the next chapter of the podcast with you.
1: Thank you very much, guys. I'm really delighted to become or officially become part of the this great initiative and looking forward to to contributing to growing the podcast, uh, connecting the community. Uh, thanks very much.
0: And of course, we have our special guest for today, Vasili Sabrakos, Greek sports journalist that I know many of you will be familiar with. He's done some blogging with Gazeta. Uh, I believe he's also made some appearances on Cosmote TV. Um, and he also ha- does a lot of YouTubes. A lot of you can check in on his channel. He does some very, very good uh, end-of-week, sometimes summations of the Super League, gets into statistics uh, with Y Scout. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. Vasily, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure f- uh, for me also. Uh, I-, I never stop talking about football and I'm always very pleased to meet uh, new people and especially to meet the uh, Greeks who are living abroad, uh, who were born and raised abroad. But you have to excuse my English because I don't speak very often. So it's not uh, in the level I wish it could be.
0: Well, it sounds really good to me. And of course, every Greek we have on says their English is, is bad and it. So it always sounds really <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right into it. Um, let's let's jump in. Uh, Vasily, uh, all of our listeners, they love to get a little bit of background on all of our guests that come in. Um, how did you start in journalism how did you get started writing about football um, how did you get into the game of Ooh,
2: um it all began 28 years ago uh, I was uh, 19 back then and um, I went to a daily uh, Greek sports newspaper at um, those days I was a um, Uh, in a college, uh, in a journalism college in Greece, and um, I started as a younger, you know, writing about uh, amateur football. And then I found my pathway. Um, uh, I was uh, writing stories about uh, the national team, about uh, Ike And then uh, I became an editor and then chief editor in a daily newspaper called uh, Sport Day back in 2005. And then um, I became a director in another daily newspaper uh, called uh, Excedra, Excedra ton sport. Um, Then I went uh, to gazeta.gr where I was um, a director for eight and a half years until now. Now I work as a publishing consultant and of course as a writer, a blogger for Gazeta.gr and I'm also a pundit for uh, Cosmote TV, um, the broadcaster of the Champions League, the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, Europa League, uh, the national team games. So. Uh, since I was a, a kid <laughs> I, I loved football. I tried to play as an amateur and then uh, um, I, I, I was always uh, trying to be in, to have insights, to try to understand football deeper. So I began to, to study, to, to take all the, the studies, a football coach has to have in order to take a license. In fact, I took a small license for uh, grassroots football and uh, in the same time I was um, studying football management. So you can say that I tried to um, not only to to stay in my experiences from uh, my presence in the games, in the trainings, my travels following uh, Greek teams or the Greek national team abroad, for the Champions League, for Europa League, I have seen, uh, I, I, I can't count uh, the number of the games I have witnessed. Uh, so until now, now I'm 47, um, I have already wrote two books, uh, both became uh, bestsellers in Greece and my second one will um, be published in English, in England. So you can say that um, my life is in football and in journalism.
0: Now tell us briefly about the book. Uh, the book that is going to be translated into English. Uh, the title which translates to Explaining the Miracle. Uh, this is about the Euro 2014. What inspired you to write that book?
2: Uh, I had the, the luck uh, a huge lack, the lack of my life, to be a reporter on um, the Greek national team since uh, 1999. So, uh, I I saw everything from scratch. Uh, I, I, I still remember the day Otto Rehagel came in Athens to be presented as um, uh, the coach of the national team. And since then, I was always uh, close to the team, uh, following the team, analyzing the the games, watching the trainings, talking with the players, because all these players were players of my generation. Uh, I knew a lot of them. Now I know all of them, but uh, back then, um, most of uh, the team members were close to me. So, uh, you can say that uh, during the the whole course from um, um, 2001 until... um, the the games in Portugal. I had a lot of uh, insights, a lot of um, talks with the players, a lot of experiences as a follower of the team. So, back in uh, the day of the final, I was there. And um, uh, when when things were over, uh, I promised to myself to write the story and explore the story more, deeper, um, in order to, to understand how did that happen. Because it's, um, how can I say, it's a very meaningful story uh, which has to do not only with football, but it has to do with uh, mentality, uh, with culture, with um, a leadership from uh, the coach. Uh, it has to do with uh, the team spirit it has to do with everything Greece lacks in nowadays. So uh, I I was always thinking that uh, this story is something bigger than a football story for Greece. And um, I was sure that uh, one day I could give um, people living abroad, not only Greeks, but uh, to to foreigners uh, a chance to um, not respect the, the triumph of the team, but learn that it, it was not only about luck or about coincidences. It, it was about uh, working with a plan, with a, strat, uh, with a strategy, uh, changing the mentality, creating a, a team with um, team spirit. So I think that this story, when I, uh, I began writing the book, um, I was always thinking that uh, this book could be my legacy to youngsters because uh, these days uh, um, um, people who are football fans who are at uh, the age of twenty or twenty-five they don't remember a thing about uh, that team and they always try to see videos in YouTube uh, to to watch highlights. And to, to learn stories from elders. But elders don't respect that team the way they had to respect that team. So I think that this is a part of our history, not only in football, because back at those days, every Greek was in the streets and uh, all Greeks were uh, together. So this is a, a very important story for us. Uh, and uh, I, I, I was thinking that I owe this to uh, youngers. And that's why I wrote it. And um, I have to say that I'm very, 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 very pleased and fulfilled with uh, the reactions to, to my book from the readers.
0: Well, we're definitely very excited when it gets translated for it to be available to everyone. The, the parts of the book that I've read in Greek that my, that my father has very enlightening, and I can't wait to read it uh, and purchase it for myself. Now, one more really quick question uh, before we head into the Olivia Cospa game. Um, You also use pretty extensively um, analysis from Scout, and we we do have some audience members because we're, we try to be very data-oriented on this podcast, Um, and, you know, we do have some, not some colleagues and some audience members that don't value the data sometimes as heavily. Can you briefly explain to the audience why you use analysis uh, and data in when you analyze soccer games?
2: Yeah, because uh, data analysis is, is more than enlightening for, uh, for someone who is trying to understand better what he is watching during a football game because um, it, uh, all, all these uh, insights are... Um, how can I say? Help! They uh, all these numbers. When you know how to um, to read them, um, they are giving you um, answers to the questions you have uh, when you are watching a game. I have um, a lot of um, experiences talking with coaches about the game, hearing from them different things from what I hear from them. Uh, when they they have the chance to study the data analytics from their games, so you hear a coach saying um, we, we we played well, but uh, you don't hear from him from him an analysis because he he's never ready to to make an analysis without uh, data analytics. For me, it was how can I say it was very complex to. Um, to manage to to read data the right way uh, i had to take some courses to to understand uh, how can i say deeper uh, the meaning of the numbers and to um, to separate uh, you know when you're trying to Uh, to read uh, analytics, uh, it's a huge danger for you to get lost because there are a lot of uh, numbers and details. So you have to to know uh, what you are looking for in order to take the answer you are searching for. Um, I can say that uh, if um, a TV screen is uh, a standard definition read of the game, uh, when you have uh, analytics, You have the not only the high definition, the 3D vision of of a game. So, yeah, that's what uh, I think about it. Uh, From the day I began studying analytics, I got wiser about the games. So when I am talking with a football player about uh, a game he played um, back in uh, in the in the days I was In my first days as a a journalist, I was hearing uh, things like, I played well, I played shit, I played very well, but nobody knew what they did well and what they did wrong. Now you have a a very clear, a crystal clear image of the performance of a a player, of a team, of a line, everything um, you need to know is there.
3: Yeah, and I I'm not really good at reading the data, so I leave that uh, Adi. But I just want to give a shout out to your YouTube channel, which is you do really good work. Most recently, the the overlook of Pinakas, Alexandropoulos, and and El Arabi, You explained the data really well, and with graphics, and it's really good for visual learners as well as people who take in the audio because they're not too long. It's not heavy on numbers, and you. For me, at least, someone who's not huge on data, Adi can attest to that. It, it, it's a good explanation for why is Pinakas becoming a big you, young star in Greek football. You really dive in with the numbers. Why is Alexandropoulos seen as a next big eight in the Greek national team? Maybe you explain it really well, I thought. Yeah, thank you very
2: much. Yeah, yeah I'm trying uh, to communicate with uh, youngers than me. And uh, I know that... Um,
3: Video is the way, uh,
2: not uh, not the text anymore. So I, I think that uh, if you, you know how to visualize the, the numbers, the moves and everything, uh, then you have the audience um, waiting uh, to communicate and to talk about football. And uh, I'm very pleased to see uh, that um, uh, football fans who are close to 20 years old are, they, are start, they start to learn football. And this is um, huge for me. Uh, it's it, uh, How can I say? My vision uh, for, uh, for the youngest to, to understand football better than we were back at those uh, years at the, their age.
0: Oh, we definitely agree with you there. Well, let's get into it now. Let's talk some football. Uh, Olympiakos Spauk, final score. This was a game that Lambro started some controversy over on Twitter. Lambro gets very passionate about these games. And of course, when he gets passionate, he invites passion from all of our audience all over the place. So uh, let's start with an overhead analysis of the game, what you guys saw, um, what you liked, what you disliked. For me, uh, I thought Olbiakos played better in the first half, obviously, than the second half. Um, I was, when I first saw the lineup, I thought it was, I thought it would be solid. I thought it would be strong. It turned out not to be that way. I think there, that having Valbuena and Fortunis on the pitch at the same time maybe wasn't quite as effective as it could have been uh, with Fortunis occupying the 10, Valbuena and then them switching um, wasn't something that ended up working out. And I, I am really upset. The one thing that disappointed me was how poor we were on set pieces today. Set pieces were, were awful. I think I counted every defensive set piece. Uh, now, of course, I don't have the analytics to back it up right now. It takes some time for the match reports to populate. But I didn't see us win a single defensive set piece in the first half. And that was troubling. And then you go and see that we, we take a goal on a set piece. I was very disappointed. Uh, Vasily, what were your thoughts about this game? What did you see? Um, what did you see with Olivia Kos, uh, What's your take?
2: I think, I think that uh, Pedro Martins, who is uh, a coach uh, I admire the most, I think that he is the best one I have ever seen in Greek football so far. Um, he tried to, to take the game during the, the first half. And uh, his idea, his, uh, uh, his strategy was to press uh, high and to try to um, uh, create problems to Pauk. And he managed to succeed that in the first half. But uh, in the second half, I think that um, his players were not fit enough to continue in the uh, high intensity game they made in, uh, during the, se- the first half. And that was uh, the main cause uh, for the um, for the performance in the second half. Of course, Pauk, um had uh, the luck to score first, and um, you know football is moments, and uh, they they ha- they managed to create their momentum. They pressed high. Um, they didn't do that in during this, in the first half, but they did it. Uh, right uh, after the goal they scored, and um, I think that uh, at uh, that period of the game, Olympiakos had uh, real problems because they they couldn't uh, they didn't have enough uh, strength and enough um, energy to 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 defend the same way they did in the first half. Uh, I totally agree with you about set pieces. Uh, I heard um, uh, the post-match uh, interview uh, of uh, Martins. He talked a lot about the wind. Pauk coach Pablo Garcia did the same thing after the match. He said that uh, it was not a, an excuse, but the main reason his team was, they were not good enough in, uh, during the first half was that they were facing the wind. So uh, I spoke with uh, some colleagues of mine who were there at the stadium, in Tuba, and they told me the same thing, that uh, the wind was very, very strong. So, uh, when the ball was in the air, nobody knew where it was going, (laughs) so that was a problem. Uh, But still, I think that during the second half, Olympiacos had to improve, uh, had to to find uh, the rhythm they had uh, during the first... uh, Uh, Half And I'm not sure that uh, it's it's only about um, energy. It has to do with mentality, I think, also. I think that uh, after the first half, they thought that it would be an easy game. And it was not. They had a a surprise uh, with uh, 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 the way the game went. So uh, they find it difficult to come back.
0: Yeah, you definitely noticed that some players had a bit of a rude awakening. Uh, One player in particular, Oleg Rebchuk, didn't start off too well in the game. Uh, And to his credit, the poor guy hasn't been with Olympiacos very long. And he got thrust into the first team, um, you know, unfortunately because of some illness uh, on the team. And he he definitely looked a little bit out of sorts in the beginning. Uh, He grew into the game pretty well but at least in the beginning there was definitely a little bit of shock for him uh, a player that probably when he came in was just expecting that every game would be a little easier given that Olympiacos is one of the better teams if not the best team in Greece obviously I believe Olympiacos is by far the best team in Greece but we'll move on from that Uh, it definitely seemed like that with a lot of players some early sloppiness from Semedo we talk on this podcast I feel, it feels like every week there's just some very sloppy play that comes from Semedo that ends up leading to something dangerous. Uh, some players definitely thought that this game would be way easier than it was than it actually was.
2: Yeah, I agree in everything. Um, I think that the, for Petru, uh, how can I say? Uh, I totally agree. Uh, he's not uh, in the rhythm of the game because he he doesn't know how. Uh, the team is playing. I, I, I think that uh, he had He is he, trying to to understand, to read the game, to read the moves of the team players, to um, communicate with them. Uh, he has a lot of difficulties, but uh, I also agree that uh, uh, from what we have seen from him until now, uh, you can understand that he has the quality to to play for Olympiakos. Uh, this is my first impression. I'm not sure about that because I I don't know him enough. I need to see him for at least five games in order to have um, a clear uh, image about uh, uh, his potential. But I think that uh, he's he's a player with uh, a lot of interest. I totally agree about Semedo because I think this is his biggest weakness and um, I know that if he managed to improve that, he could be a top-class player um, with the quality to play abroad, in a higher level. But um, I don't know if he can uh, deal with that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, because he's not uh, that young now. (laughs) So, yeah, I agree. Although I think that um, uh, Ba had also some uh, difficulties uh in this game um what else i think that camara um, was not like in other games it was not a typical game of his uh, i think that um, when uh, valbuena and Fortunis are both infield camara is is find, he finds it difficult to have his space to be as uh, offensive he likes to be uh, not only when he has the ball, but uh, also when he doesn't have the ball. Uh, So, uh, all these details, uh, you can say, if you combine them, uh, you can understand that uh, something in uh, the team's uh, dynamics uh, was not correct uh, during this game.
1: I think there was there's been a lot of disappointment uh, amongst Olympiacos fans about the performance particularly in the in the second half and personally i I never expected us to play good football today and looking in particular at the the games that we've played against Bauk in the league in the last two years away from home last season it was a very closed game I would say and it was uh, I mean, we won it in the end with a rather fortuitous goal from Radzelovic or it was a own goal, call it what you will. Uh, so it was a 1-0 victory, smash and grab. And then the year before that, in Martins's first season, we went there in a similar way that we did today. I think Martins went out to win that game with a very attacking formation. And in the end, we got sent packing 3-1. Um, and I was very surprised today to see the formation that he set out with Fortunis and Valbuena. Uh, I think, yeah, we already touched upon this. It didn't work. For me, those two should never start in a game together, particularly in, in big matches Derbies, European games, um, I I don't think they work together. I think they crash into each other. They try to occupy the same spaces. Fortunis tries to drop deep too much to take the ball. Uh, and I think Vasilis also mentioned Kamara gets a little bit confused in his role as well. Um, that's one of my comments on on today's game. But I think... The, the, the bottom line is that for Pauk, I think today's game was, it was a final, it was a must-win game. The difference uh, in the table is already quite big, we're 10 points ahead. Um, for us, even if we were to lose, still seven points ahead. Bottom line, we were 10 points ahead going into the game, we're 10 points ahead coming out of it and uh, with or without playoffs in Greece, in the Super League, when you have a difference of 10 points from your your biggest rival, it's very difficult to, to come back. I'm not saying the league's over. Uh, it's not over until it's mathematically over, as a as any coach would say. Uh, but it was a big game for Pauk and uh, I think it's more of a... Um, disappointment for them than it is for us, at least for me.
0: I would agree with that 100%, Gustav. For us, uh, I mean, just look at the mentality of the players. Look at the mentality of, of even the fans, the Ljubljana fans. Most of them, this was just an expectation to win. If the side is bigger. Our side is better. We should have won. That was how most looked. Balk. balk Cheered for a tie. Most of Balk fans, I believe, cheered for a draw, even at home. That's just that's that was the expectation. I firmly believe that most Libyakos fans, or you're more likely to find a Libyakos fan disappointed about this result than a Balk fan. And you know there are a, there's a lot of things at play here. There's no one. There's no one thing that really went wrong that we can point to as oh this is why the team played poorly. Um, Lambro mentioned on Twitter. I brought this up briefly in the beginning, riled up some of the audience uh, because he singled out some poor hold up play from El Arabi, and we may have differing opinions as to how bad or poor he played. I think it's I think you you wouldn't be incorrect in saying his hold up play is poor, and I'm. About 100% sure when we see the analytics tomorrow that it's going to say the same thing. But there were a lot of other things that went wrong today for us.
3: If I can just touch on, since I've, my Twitter activity has been dragged into the question. So I, I, I'm, I'm upset with a few players, but I want to start really. In that second half, the midfield just couldn't get control of the game. And we are talking about fatigue. And this is one of the problems that we've highlighted with Coach Martins and something that drives me a bit crazy, this midfield too has done a lot of running in the past 10 days or so. We've played, what, three three games now? And they've been the midfield too. We haven't seen Pepe, Buhalakis has had a minor injury. It kind of makes sense when you've played three games in a week that you're gonna, Jan Envia and Matty can really take the game by, by the neck. They, they've been playing so much. And it says a lot that Pepe can't even get in in some of these games. it'll be interesting to see if he plays. But again, another person i was I was upset with was the i I have a problem with him as his speed isn't all there. Technically, he has good ability, but defensively, he's so reckless and makes terrible decisions for a thirty six year old it makes no sense of just diving in, missing a challenge or just poor positioning sometimes. And it frustrates me if you guys, remember Solis rocked the bar i believe in the 90th minute and one of the reasons he got space was that because Rafinha played him a little too much space and gave him a little too much space right onto his right foot it was a brilliant strike if it went in of course but again just little things like that for a 36 year old who were playing paying extreme money for i was disappointed with and El Rabi i i pointed this out on twitter and a lot of people I agree. El Arabi is a great striker, but he has not performed in massive games this year. He scored against Ike uh, last week, but he didn't score any goals other than the Ammonia game. He didn't score many easy opportunities against Ike in the cup final. And I just wanted to highlight that he struggled in big games, and it's okay to say he's been struggling in big games. That's my tangent anyway.
0: I don't think you're completely incorrect about that. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not disagreeing with some of the things you said. I know, you know, he's doing good this season on a whole. But yeah, I mean, look, in, in big games, whether you say it's major derby games or in the Champions League, he hasn't played quite as well. And But there's also a reason why it's why we look at El Rabi sometimes and say, hey, He's not having a great game today, and it's because El Arabi also does a lot more from that position than any of the other strikers we have available for that position. El Arabi is excellent in hold up play. He's the best forward we have at that position in hold up play. Hassan doesn't do it too well, and Kuyper's. Well, we've only we've seen him very limited, but he's also more limited in terms of that. So. If you see a game where El Arabi's hold-up play isn't quite as good as we're used to, he doesn't distribute the ball as well or his off-the-ball movement isn't there, when you're expecting that from him and you see it all the time, you end up expecting that all of the time. But if if he were Hassan, if Hassan had started and had a similar performance, we wouldn't be quite as harsh on Hassan because we don't always expect that from Hassan that's where that's where I think some of that comes in now as far as as far as Rafinha goes Rafinha we've talked about in the past Rafinha doesn't overlap as much that's just the nature and that's why Lambert I know that's why you don't like his offensive play because he doesn't overlap and overlapping overlapping wingbacks is such an important part of our game plan it's how we establish width it's how we give space to our wingers so when you don't have that it's very difficult for us to get anything going on on the right side. And we also see that when we have an overlapping wing back playing in a game, that side usually generates more whether it's x goals, crosses, the produ- the productivity is higher when we have that overlapping wing back. What I won't necessarily fault Rafinha for is giving a little bit of space to the dribbler. Solis is very talented and I'll be honest with you, as a player I used to do the same myself. If there was a very skilled player on the ball, I always gave him a step. Now, it's a double-edged sword because they can use that step and rip a long shot. Sometimes they can use that step and go by me. But so when, when you give that respect when you are worried about the talent of the other player.
1: I, I, I always come back to this, but uh, it's unavoidable. We were just so spoiled the last couple of seasons with with Omar and, uh, and Simikas particularly last year, that the, the, the wing-backs that we have this year, they just don't cut it. Uh, I agree that for what we pay Rafinha, I'm not too happy. Personally, I, I really hope that the scouting team and the club already have their shortlist for for the right-back position for the summer and they're already looking at who to bring in because there is a, there is a need on the right-hand side, for sure. But I don't want to... I don't want to completely neglect what Rafinha gives to the team. I think I saw a stat during the game on, on Nova Sports. They said he had uh, around the 70th minute, 63 passes with, yes. uh, with a 91% pass completion. Uh, the ball goes through his uh, through his feet quite a lot during the game. He does contribute to, to build up play. I can't expect the 36-year-old to be bombing up and down the wing and creating space for the wingers. He did get a rest midweek, so you would think he would be a bit more fresh. But it is what it is. And when it comes to El Arabi, with Hassan being out with COVID complications, he's really borne the brunt of the um, of our attacking uh, efforts. And uh, and I think he's he's allowed a, a bad game every now and again. You could argue, okay, he hasn't performed in, in Europe this season. Uh, frankly, I don't think that um, we're nowhere near as good as we were in the last season. And maybe that, that brings us to, to a question that I had for, for Vasily. Is that how would you compare Olympiacos this year to, the, to last season's uh, team? For, for, for me, and I think for all of us, in all of Pedro Martins' time in the club, the, the team he had last year is by far the best we've had yes this year is more complicated because no preseason covid etc 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 the season ended for us last year very late but how would you how would you compare the teams that he's that he's managed the last three seasons uh,
2: for me also last season's edition was the best i have seen from him until now Uh, But I have to say that uh, during this season, I also follow um, Premier League, Bundesliga and La Liga for every year during the last six or seven years. And I have to say that there is not a team which is this season better than they were last season. Everybody is lower during this season because of covid because of, of everything you have de- described before, so I think that uh, we always have to think about it. Um, the this year, this season's rhythm is exhausting for the players, for the coaches, for uh, trainers, for physios, for everybody. Uh, they uh, they they were not used to do that, and they don't have the experience to deal with uh, all these challenges because they don't have a book to read about the workload, about um, how to deal uh, with um, uh, the fatigue, what to do to rest the players, uh, how to, mo- to manage them. They don't know. They, every day they are trying to to understand what they are doing and they are always uh, doing experiments, they don't. Uh, they are not sure about the way they are managing the the, the players. So this season uh, in the Champions League uh, was something less than expected for me. Uh, but uh, there were a lot of um, explanations about um, the team's performance. Um, they had the luck to uh, to lose. Players in um, crucial moments from the first uh, game in the um, uh, group stage. So I I could say that uh, I was expecting more, especially from uh, the players Olympiakos signed uh, this uh, summer. But I can understand why they are not, um, uh, how can I say, they are not making you, the fans, happy. For example, Rafinha, I have seen maybe 90-95% of his games back in Bayern Munchen. And he's not the same player. But how could he be, not only at his age, but at his age during a COVID season? We expect from him to show to demonstrate his quality, but it's not easy for a player to do that uh, when he plays that many matches during such a short period of time. So, uh, I'm sure that um, Pedro Martins also expected something, um, how can I say, bigger, uh, especially in uh, European matches, but uh, I, I, I don't know if he could prepare his team Better than he did, because as I said before, nobody succeeded that. Um, maybe I can I can exclude Manchester United from this talk. All the other teams, Bayern also, Manchester City, uh, for, uh, Barcelona, Real. Um, everybody <laughs> uh, is struggling these days. So. How could uh, Olbiakos, uh, could be an exception? I don't know if he could be. Uh, for El Arabi, I would say the same. Um, he is not a, uh, young, of course he is not very old, but uh, f- when he has to deal with all the time he takes because of uh, Hassan's absence, it, it's not uh, an easy thing for him. Because uh, he, a lot of his game is uh, physical and when he's not fit enough he can't be the same player he is when he's he feels strong. Uh, that's what I think about him because I, I regard him as one of the best uh, forward players I have seen uh, during the, li- the latest five or six years in Greece. I think he's um, a clear striker and he's very able to, to hold the ball and give time and space to other players with his play. But, for example, in this game, when he didn't have uh, Valbuena to play with, because Valbuena was not at his best in in this match, when Fortunis is not at his best in uh, the same match, uh, when Vrussa is not in his best in this match, how can uh, El Arabi be at his best? He needs a player to to make combinations, to make everything. He can't uh, do everything by himself. He can't.
3: And if that could lead me to question, because you, you obviously speak with people in management and people who work in clubs much more than us, we don't understand, we're in a congested fixture list and things are difficult. The result of this may be because of the lack of rotation. Why? Martins has a pretty deep squad by any standard. He has Pepe, Thiago Silva, Andruzzo has showed well, Hugo Kuyper, he decided to, to keep, it's it's strange to see we have this deep roster, but it's not being utilized. And maybe a derby like this would go different if, let's say, Pepe could play on the weekend against Panatolicos or Thiago Silva instead of Fortunis or Kuypers instead of El Arabi. Why do you think there's just lack of rotation? Have you heard an explanation for that from people generally or even from Olympiacos?
2: Look, the thing is that uh, you have to be a witness in the training sessions uh, in order to have clear understanding about um, the current um, dynamic every player has. And you also have to know how is uh, his mentality, how is uh, uh, his behaviour during uh, the sessions. so. You need to be there in order to, to have a, a clear impression about uh, what is going on with everyone. Um, I, I think that uh, Martins uh, didn't give a lot of time to some players, the players you have mentioned, because he's not sure that uh, their type of uh, play is what he needs to have in order to have in field. A, team, a winning team. I think that uh, he's, he's always always mentioning that he needs to have balance. And um, in order to have balance, you need players who are taking part in the game, not only when uh, the ball is uh, at Olympiakos' feet. Uh, they need to, to play a lot uh, when they don't have the ball. And I think that um, not every player in Olympiakos right now knows how to read the game uh, and knows how to play Martin's systems and tactics. Uh, he always gives a lot of time to uh, the new signings in order to adapt and then um, read the, the, the game, know the tactics and then they, they go in the team. Of course there were always some exceptions uh, like NVLA is during uh, this season. But n- not every player has the, the same quality. Uh, so, this is, I think, that this is um, an explanation for his choices with the players. I, I'm not saying that um, um, he's always right, but I think that um, a reason for him not to give to everyone a lot of time is that he needs to feel secure that uh, he's putting uh, um, the right team in uh, the field. He's not trying to, to put the right players. He's trying to put the players who are making, who are creating uh, the better team.
0: Vasily, it's at this point in the podcast where we like to do what we call some match ratings. Uh, we like to go around uh ask everybody who their player of the game was, who their, who their player of the match uh, would be, and also to give a grade, a coaching grade to Martins for the game based on the result. Uh, w- the way we do it is based on, of course, the English grading system. A, for if it's, uh, you know, if he did very well. B, if it was above average. C, if it was just an average coaching game. D, if it was not so good. And then F, if it was terrible. Um, so we'll go around. Uh, we'll start with Lambro. Uh, who was your man of the match today, and what was your grade for Coach Martins?
3: So this is unorthodox. We we almost always give man of the match grade to an Olympiacos player, but if I'm going to be honest, Olympiacos players were not the best players on the field, and I have two man of the matches. I would go either Inga Son of Pauk or Warda of Pauk, which hurts a bit to say because we've made our jokes of Warda, but they were the Two best players on the pitch for me that game. Um, for coaching grade, I was I was disappointed in Coach Martin's because I felt a reaction was needed sooner. I felt in the second half that that Pauk goal was coming and we could feel it coming. And there were just and even after the the goal, they kept coming at us and there was no reaction for another five ten minutes. So I would downgrade Martin's grade to maybe a C C minus to an average grade.
1: Um, man of the match, I would probably agree with you. Um, if we're looking at all the players on the pitch, probably Ingerson for me uh, was uh, MVP. If we're picking one of our players, it's really hard to choose. Uh, I'd probably give it to, to, to Ba, who got his first goal. Uh, it was the equaliser. He somehow managed to get or to allow Warda to get in front of him for the header that led to the goal but I think the equaliser that he got earns him redemption and uh, in the end it uh, helped us avoid defeat so if I had to give some accolade to one of our players it'd probably be him but it, it's really hard to see or find the standout player from our team today to be, uh, to be frank and uh, going to the coach I would give him a D or even a D minus because I I, I don't think he set the team up well. Of course, I have the, the luxury of retrospect, but um, I, I didn't like the way he set up the team. And he was facing um, an inexperienced coach. And frankly, I think, um, I think Garcia got the better of him today. And I'm disappointed with that.
0: Vasily, who was your man of the match today? And what would you give Coach Martins for a grade?
2: Uh, I would go with uh, Warda, although I, I also joke with him at him. Uh, uh, but I think that um, he, he had uh, a good impact in uh, his team's uh, performance. Um, Ingerson had one or two mistakes. Yes, he scored and he was very good um, in front but uh, at the back uh, he gave a chance to Olympiakos when Mvila uh, hit the bar and um, he was always uh, he was also one of the players who made a mistake uh, um, when Olympiakos sc- scored uh, it was his area in the zone um, if I had to, to speak about a player from uh, Olympiakos I'm not sure that it was someone who, how can I say? But, uh, I think that Seydouba was good, and uh, not only he was good; he succeeded to pass the fact that uh, he was responsible for uh, the goal. So I think he he, he had uh, he showed a lot of uh, strength and uh, uh, that he's strong in the mind. This is. Um, the, this did impress me uh, in this game. Um, so about Coach Martins, I think it was a, a C game for him. Uh, because of his uh, choice, uh, I always like to say that uh, coaches, are, uh, they, they take much, much more money than us uh, journalists because they have to decide before the game and they have to judge before the game. We always <laughs> we are judging after the game, so it, it's an easy job for us. Um, but I think that um, his strategy was not right tonight. Um, especially uh, this plan with uh, Valbuena and Fortunis in the same uh, squad in a Derby against uh, Park in Tuba. Yeah, yeah, this didn't go well. I think that during the second half, he tried to change things and that's why I say it's a C game and not a C minus or even worse. But it was not a very uh, good uh, game for him.
0: You know, I thought I was going to be unique and be the first person on the podcast to give a man of the match to not just the other team, but to Bauk. But everyone, everyone seems to be doing it already. Um, yeah, man of the match. I, I can't find it in me to give a man of the match to any particular Lubajkos player. If I had to pick, I would agree with with all of you guys. Uh, it would have to be it, it would have to be BOD. Not just because he got the goal, but I, there were just there just wasn't a lot of positivity from some of the other players, especially in the second half. In the second half, I couldn't bring myself to watch post game. I just wanted to turn the turn the TV off, even though it was one to one. Um, Warda, we made him look better than he actually is. Uh, it kind of annoys and that doesn't kind of it really annoys me that we made him look that good. Uh, I'm not going to say anything else uh, about that. I'm that frustrated. Uh, as for Martins, had we lost the game, it would have been an F, but I'm the same boat as Gosta. It's a D. We've seen all season, that Balk has been pretty weak, despite many adjustments. They are vulnerable at the wingback position. They are vulnerable when you establish width. And although in the beginning of the game I was okay with seeing Valbuena Fortunis, I thought maybe the the skill, the skill and the interplay there would would overcome a compact, maybe a more compact defense, a, a compact line, and it, it didn't, unfortunately. The width. We needed width, we needed to spread width. That's how teams like Ammonia, that's how smaller sides have gotten to baulk with width. Our set piece taking was awful. We heard all week that we were working on set pieces, I didn't see it on the field. So, as far as I can tell, I didn't see much. You know, I, I did the lineup wasn't what it should have been, the changes came way too slow. We are seeing season one. And first half of last season, Martins, again, I thought we finally made strides with his game management. Uh, and again, we seem to be regressing to the waiting way too long to make changes and making maybe not the changes, the, the correct changes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to give him a D for this. Uh, and I, only because we got the, we ended up getting the draw um but that about wraps up everything for the oh, Can I say game? something real quick? Oh, it, go for it.
3: Lazar Angelovic, man, I I wasn't I completely forgot. Just what has happened to him this season? Just another game where he came on and immediately he just gave the ball right away trying to dribble past someone when he had an easy pass. I don't know what the future is of him, but it it hasn't been going anywhere for is it wrong to say 4 4 months, 5 months? I think I think it's it's done for him almost for I, me at least
1: I, I have a quick comment on that because i I've, I've tended to be quite positive and very patient with him this season and i've liked him very much uh, since the first game i saw him in friendly um Olympiacos france on twitter That's and i fun. had an exchange and he raised he raised the point that i found found both funny but also could be true. It could be one of those cases for him of that type of young player that comes to Greece, has a good first season and then in the second season, he's comfortable. He doesn't have the, the drive anymore. I don't know what it is, but I'm also, I'm also disappointed with him this season. He hasn't had the same kind of impact when he's come on as a substitute. He makes poor decisions. Uh, I leave it at that because we, I want to get into something different. Audi.
0: Yeah, I will say this. Uh, Lazar, his success was very nuanced. His success came when he had space, a lot of times on the counter, and he could take the space and use his speed to dribble at defenders. That's where we saw him succeed very well and kind of get his accolades and fame in the qualifiers last year. And I think he continues to look for those same moves, look for that space and try to replicate that. And you have to be a lot more versatile. You have to be a lot more adaptable if you want to be a really effective winger. But I will leave it at that so that we can move on to more general Greek football. Um, there's a lot of negativity, uh, and I'm sure, you've seen it yourself, both not just within the, the Greek community in Greece, but among the diaspora. Uh, there has been a, what is viewed as a, sh- a decline, in some cases, a sharp decline in not just the quality of Greek football, but it, within the quality of the Greek national team. Um, and a lot of people have this view that uh, we as Greeks in Greek football we didn't really capitalize on 2004, the Euro 2004 miracle, the the wonderful victory of Greece, underdog victory in 2004. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, did we fail to to capitalize on that milestone? Um, what do you believe are some of the reasons that the not just the the national team has struggled, but why Greece as a whole has continued to slip so far down the UEFA coefficient rankings
2: (laughs) how can I say a painful story uh, that one is Uh, yeah of course I totally agree that uh, not only we didn't succeed to capitalize I think we did uh, everything worse than we were doing it before 2004 Uh, And it's a matter of the um, federation. And it is uh, about those guys who are um, taking uh, decisions about Greek football since the latest two decades. Um, You have to say that uh, all these guys who are the administration of the the federation, uh, they are guys that they don't know a thing about football. And I'm, uh, how can I say, I couldn't be more clear about that. We never had an administration uh, from guys who have the experience, the knowledge, the studies, the careers that could help them to take uh, good uh, decisions about uh, national football, football in general. Uh, and this is the main reason for uh, the current situation of uh, the Uh, Greek national team. In fact, I have to say that uh, during the last couple of years things were better, became better. And that is totally out of luck uh, because uh, they hired the coach they never know. Uh, They hired him because he was cheap and he was willing to come uh, in Greece. But this guy, John Fanship, is um, a normal and very interesting uh, coach, I am not saying that he is the best one I have met in uh, the national team, but I can say that he has a plan. He has a clear, uh, he has very clear thoughts about what he is trying to do. Uh, he created a project. He calls it uh, Pro- Project uh, Project Qatar, and um, he is always he's very focused, very disciplined. He has uh, very good um, staff. And um, he's trying, he's trying to create uh, the team spirit to, to get back the team spirit in the locker rooms. Uh, we lost it back in uh, 2014, after the World Cup, when Fernando Santos left. And since then, we only had it for um, a year or more with uh, Mikhail Skibe, and uh, then we lost it again. And uh, with this coach, I, I I can't say that I'm very optimistic, but I can say that uh, for the first time during the latest years, I see someone who is really trying to create something. And um, I don't feel for him that he is here to, to take the salary and uh, have uh, holidays in our beaches. So it has... To do with uh, the way we are thinking about football in Greece. Nobody is ambitious enough to, to create. They always try to take and uh, this is uh, uh, the main cause of uh, all our problems. So about the national team, I think that uh, it, everything has to do uh, with the first qualification matches for uh, the World Cup. If we lose, they will sack the coach and uh, we will start over from scratch. And I don't know uh, with, which, um, with which administration, with who will be the next coach. Uh, I don't know a thing. I don't have a clue about it. Because um, as you uh, probably know, there will be elections for the federation during um, January. And we think that uh, when the new administration uh, will be official, they will suck the coach. So when you know that amateur president and amateurs, all the others, the executive committee of the uh, Federation will take such a serious decision to change the coach <laughs> without the knowledge, without the experience, without anything, uh, how can we expect uh, from the national team to be a team? Um, And how can we expect the um, under-21, the under-19, under-17, etc. could be teams when we don't have a plan, we don't have a a strategy, a clear strategy. Um, We lack everything in uh, Greek football. So. That's why we are standing at uh, that position and that's why it would be only with a miracle uh, that we will will rise again.
1: Vasily, I I wanted to ask you and you gave me a perfect segue uh, talking about the Greek Federation elections that are coming up. There have been a lot of rumors and a few articles that indicate that Todoriza Gorakis, the former captain of the 2004 team, could, uh, could be running in the elections and he apparently would even have the blessing of, of UEFA and FIFA and there have been numerous articles written speculating to this, to this end. Um, do you think that is a realistic scenario maybe you you know something that you could share with with listeners and do you think that you know he could he could come in and bring obviously his own knowledge but also bring with him other former players that can help contribute towards you know building up this um more technocratic uh with real football people not amateurs like you yourself said. Are you optimistic about such a scenario? Is it realistic? What are your thoughts on on the future of, of, the, of the, the way the Greek Federation is, is run? And do you think ultimately that he will be allowed if, if it is Zagorakis or a football person that they will be allowed to, to follow through on what they want to do and they won't be held back by a part of the system? <sighs> I wish I could be
2: optimistic, uh, yes, there is a scenario about um, uh, Thodori Zawarakis. Um There were some talks with uh, the Greek uh, government, with the Minister of Sports, but I don't know uh, if they will propose him uh, as uh, the new president of the um, Federation or not. And uh, even if they will propose him, I don't know if he will go because I'm not sure that he's sure that he will have a chance to create. Um, I don't, I'm not in his mind, and I, I also can't say that I am sure that he is the right choice. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But I don't have someone to point him and. Uh, <laughs> tell you that he is the right choice. I don't know, because it's not a matter of knowledge and experience and um, um, it's not a matter of assets. It, it has to do with the power to create uh, everything from scratch. I'm not sure that uh, the whole environment in, in Greece and in Greek football also... Um, is um, helping someone uh, who has uh, the willing to create and to destroy everything and uh, build everything from scratch. I'm not sure. Uh, That's why I think that uh, at the end of the day Zagorakis will not go and uh, that we will have another guy like the guy we have these days and the guy we had. Before, and the guy we had before, all those guys who didn't and don't love football. And they are there only, uh, you know, because they want to take advantage of everything in football and to gain power and to gain money and blah, blah, blah. Well, so Basil, you... nope. I'm sorry, optimistic, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, you're perfectly okay. You've segued into what I was going to ask you perfectly. Uh, because the diaspora, well, I'll say the majority of the, the diaspora they hate Gramenos specifically. I, Funny enough, actually, the only positive the only positive comments I've ever seen from Gramenos have come from Balk fans. Uh, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but that's usually the only ones I've ever seen be positive of him. And there's a couple of reasons. Uh, And when you ask a lot, some of them think he's the worst that we've had from his inability to bring together together the Super League two um, and the other lower leagues, his inability to increase marketability. um, There was a statistic I saw a couple of months ago about last season and the the marketing rights and the marketability of the Greek Super League. Um, His poor handling uh, or the administration, at least, their poor handling of the Greek Cup, not just this year, but in previous years. Um, Failure in their assistance for stadium upkeeps Um, in other leagues and other countries around the world. The leagues have they offer assistance or some form of subsidy to help teams upkeep the stadiums. Uh, This doesn't seem to exist in Greece. My view and my opinion of Garamenos has been clear since we first started this podcast. I am very negative on him, Um, whether or not he's better or worse than other presidents in the past. You know, it's uh, I don't know. I just know that I'm not a fan. I don't like what he's done. And uh, I wanted your opinion on on what you think of the job that he's done. And if your memory is serving you correctly. Do you think he's done a similar job compared to previous presidents? Is he better or worse or just the same?
2: Uh, to be honest, I think his, uh, his administration is the worst ever. Uh, but um, with that, I don't, uh, I don't want to say that uh, the previous ones were much better than his. But for sure, he, he's doing everything the wrong way, everything. And he's always absent. He, you never hear from him. It's like he doesn't have a voice. And um, these days, all every, histo- every story about uh, Greek football these days is, how can I say, more than poor. Sometimes I'm trying to believe that what I am living... In Greek football, it's true and it's not um, (laughs) a a joke. Uh, So, really, uh, my English don't help me to express myself about him. Uh, I think uh, he's the worst uh, president ever. But uh, (laughs) I I want to be honest. I think that
1: all the previous ones were bad also. I, I want to try and be a little bit more optimistic now, and up, or ask you a more optimistic question, because we're getting a little bit doom and gloom. Um, who, who are the young, let's say, young Greek players that you um, th- that you are uh, excited about today? Uh, we see that Yakoumakis is don't know how old he is he's 23 24 yeah yeah but... he's he's scoring he scored 16 goals in the dutch yeah, yeah, league he scored four goals today um i mean besides yakumaakis who who are your who are the young exciting players that you see uh, in greece and maybe a second question who is the future number 9 for the greek national team because since Mitroglou has been fading We don't have a number nine, and could it be Jakub Makis? He he tried to be
2: uh, with the national team, but uh, okay, he was not uh, very lucky in the game against Slovenia. He had uh, an opportunity, a chance, a good chance, and uh, he didn't succeed. Uh, He's good. Uh, We Greeks never trusted him uh, during his days in uh, IEC. And before, Um, you know, with uh, Greek players it happens that when they leave and uh, when they go abroad they start uh, to enjoy football. So they start to sign. And this is a lesson we never succeeded to learn. Um, You know, the context plays a lot uh, for a player uh, in order to flourish. So. You have to think about it every day. Um, as a number nine, I could bet on Duvikas, uh, the, uh, the striker of um, Volos. But okay, uh, we haven't seen much of him uh, until now, so I have to wait and see more of him. Um, but I think that this guy has a lot of potential he, if he if he works a lot then he could improve and uh, he could play in a higher level and then we could, could say that uh, he could play for the national team also. Uh, um, I believe a lot on uh, Joyce. Uh, I think he has a, a lot of quality. He has to, to work a lot, but um, he was uh, lucky enough to go abroad when he was a teenager. So this has helped him a lot in terms of uh, mentality matters. So, I think that he will uh, work hard and he will uh, become a a player for uh, a national team level. Um, I like uh, a defender. His name is uh, Hadziriakos. He played for the national team. He was uh, unlucky, he had a a serious injury, but now he's fit. Again, and I think he can become uh, the next leader of the the defence. Okay, he he maybe never be um, like in the level of uh, Papastathopoulos and Manolas, but uh, he's a very decent player. He he has a lot of technique for a defender. Uh, He can play, he can uh, uh, contribute in the build-up phase. So I think... um, uh, we can expect things from him. Um, there are a, a, a lot of um, youngers who I like, but I'm, I, I can't be sure about them. Pinakas is another example in Larissa. Uh, I like him a lot. He's close to a number 10. He, he's uh, always dribbling, always changing directions. Uh, he's smart. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him uh, when he executes and I'm not sure that um, he's very strong. Uh, But uh, I think that uh, he has a lot of uh, potential. Panathinaikos has two or three youngers who uh, are interesting. Alexandropoulos, for sure, is the most interesting because... He has a lot of um, leadership in his play, um, but I don't know, you know, with the, the players of Panathinaikos, the thing is that they are always changing the coach, so they never have the chance to work with a coach for a long period of time in order to improve, to improve, and to work on their weaknesses so this is um, huge <laughs> for a player uh, stability is um, very crucial for a, a player especially at his early years yeah uh, vrsai is a, a very interesting player very interesting and i have seen him with a national team before his uh, return to olbiacos and uh, i saw his uh, plays with uh, olbiacos and i think he's very interesting uh, yeah still for him I would say the same that he has to work he's not ready um, to uh, take responsibilities in the national team but I I think that uh, this guy has a a lot of um, um, belief on his um, talent so I think uh, he he will be um, a player for that level these are the players who I'm thinking right now
0: Vasily, I wanted to ask you about the, since we're talking about the national team, I wanted to ask you about the number 10 position. Um, the number 10 position is a position dear to my heart. It's the position I played. It's what I consider to be the most important position on the field. I do have bias. Uh, I will admit that freely. The number 10 or the number 8 position, depending on the formation you're running, uh, most important positions for me on the field. Now. I wanted to ask who you believe the real number 10 should be for the national team. As we know, the preferred use or the preferred 10 that JVS tends to use, and by JVS, of course, I mean John Van Schip, is Bacassetta. Um, He uses him there and plays other 10s that are better in pretty much every metric than he is. I will not mention their names, but he still prefers to use... Pacasetas at the number 10. It's like his love child in that position. Um, who do you believe is the proper number 10 for that position and why? And then why do you believe he prefers to stick with Pacasetas?
2: <laughs> for Tunis, for sure.
0: Uh,
2: I don't have uh, any second thoughts on that. Um, and especially when he has a balance in uh, his performance, Uh when he's trying to contribute um, in the defensive phase of the game, he's by far the the most skillful Greek player. So I think that there is not... uh, (laughs) I don't know anyone who has another... Uh, opinion <laughs> to be honest I think that be... has
3: a different opinion I think just because Bakasetas is indeed the captain and plays number 10 usually <laughs>
2: yeah yeah but uh, only because of uh, mentality matters um, I know that uh, he, he had a lot of uh, difficulties in his uh, communication with uh, Fortunis I don't know if he is right or he is wrong as I told you before uh, on these matters I think that you have to be a witness in order to have a clear uh, and uh, solid opinion about what is going on. So I I, I I'm not sure uh, why he he took the decision to uh, let him uh, at the bench uh, in some matches. Uh, about Bacasetas, I think that he is an interesting player. I think he is very. Good for the mentality and the spirit of the team. He's trying to be a captain, although um, he was not used to it, especially in uh, his Greek days. I don't know Turkey, I have seen him as a captain. Um, I think he's he's, um, a, a good member of the team, but not a number 10. Yeah, he has to play as a second striker. It's his only, how can I say, positive position in field. But um, Agreed. number number ten is something more than that. Uh, yes, creative, but he's uh, the guy who is trying to organize the game, uh, and uh, Bacasetas can't do that. Uh, Madalos can do that, but. Uh, He's not. Uh, he doesn't have the same qualities with uh, Fortunis. Fortunis is by far the the best uh, Greek uh, creative midfielder, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I I can't uh, discuss about it.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and since we're getting into controversial topics with the national team, I won't, it's what everyone talks about. Manolas and Socrates. What what do you think the situation is there? Because we're, we're now starting to see one of the strongest parts of the national team be kind of weaker with, I think, Stafi Lidis is the vice captain for the upcoming campaign, and he's been playing as a centre-back. Tavellas has been playing centre-back. So people are worried because they thought maybe these Nation leagues games were to see younger players and Amano, or Socrates will come back. But now it seems like comments are being made on TV, and that's not going to happen. So... Do you have any insight you can give to listeners on what the situation was there and what the future may be? Uh,
2: The the thing is that with uh, Papastathopoulos and Manolas, uh, things uh, were bad since the beginning, the early days of um, Van heat, because uh, as I told you before, this federation and uh, the administration of uh, the federation is a bunch of uh, amateurs and uh, they They can't understand what is going on in the national team. So if they can't understand, how can they explain to a new coach the situation? So when uh, Franschip came in Greece, they told him that uh, Papastadopoulos and Manolas were the main reason uh, for um, the failure of the previous coach. So he didn't know anyone in Greece. Um, I don't know who consulted him not to call them and not uh, to discuss with them face-to-face. But he made that decision. He didn't uh, call them to have them in trainings to to hear from them, to hear their point uh, of view, their part of the story. uh, His first matches, he said that he's trying to give um, time to youngers and he did that in his first matches it was the qualification matches for euro uh, and then when uh, the nations league started uh, he just kept uh, calling others than uh, manolas and uh, papastathopoulos i think now uh, there is not uh, it's not come going Change. Uh, I can't see how it will be changed. He left uh, Shovas out because he spoke about uh, Manolas and Papastathopoulos. That shows a lot. You know, this uh, coach. He thinks that mentality is the most crucial part of his uh, plan of his uh, job, and I agree on that. But uh, until now, he hasn't have. Except from Javelas uh, and uh, Hadziriakos, he didn't have any other solutions. So I don't know what is he is going to do from now on. I'm not sure. You know, of course, he has a lot of time, and uh, you never know what will happen until uh, March, when uh, the matches will begin. Uh, I, I'm very curious to to see what is going to do uh, when the time comes. Uh, I know he has some friendly games to to save the team so I'm expecting uh, with uh, how can i say I actions because for me the national team is since I was a kid my first team was the national team so that's how I think about the national team
0: uh, I think we're all in agreement with you for that Greece is especially for the for the the diaspora Greece comes first. Then yeah, I can, I can
2: say, sorry, I can say only for Diaspora. In Greece, you never hear a thing about the national team. Uh, uh, yeah. when, when I'm writing about the national team in my blog, in uh, gazeta.gr, uh, you can see comments, hey, why are you dealing with the national team? Who cares about the national team? That's how most of the football fans are thinking about the national team.
1: But the only time that people started loving the national team was when we were on top. But that's another discussion about mentality, and you know, asides from football, you can make yeah. that a much bigger discussion.
0: Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah, it's a hundred percent. And I mean, a lot of what you said about John Van Ship, I mean, my opinion has is very clear. I've actually never had the the feelings towards John Van Ship that I've had toward any other coach, where I like the system in place, but the coach, the decisions he's made, the absolute hypocrisy he's had with regards to certain players, I've just lamented. And I get to a point where I've always loved the national team, but I've, for the first time in my life, I have a coach that I don't know, I don't have an, an actual opinion. I, I at times, I, I like it, but then when he speaks, uh, my God, it annoys the hell out of me. But, uh, I mean, you know, from, just from the, the decision to not play a real left wing ever. The When he says that Fortunis doesn't play for his club, that's why he can't play for the national team. But Stafi Livis, who played only two games in January for his club, is apparently a vice captain for the team. It, it, the, uh, and I, I could go on for forever. Um, but, uh, you know, the, we, most of us have this a very similar opinion to to you. And my last question for you before we begin to wrap up what is your expectation for the national team in the qualification campaign for me I don't see us getting past third Um, I'm not confident despite the more free-flowing team the national team has I don't see I don't see better results than we did from more negative or more defensive teams under German and Portuguese coaching so that's, that's where I'm looking and I wanted to know what your uh, opinion was on that.
2: I have to say that I'm not very optimistic. But on the other hand, as uh, we said um, before, this is a very strange season. I don't know what will happen until March with which players he's going to play against all these teams. Of course, the first matches are crucial and uh, it's difficult matches, so I'm waiting to, to see his uh, decisions, his choices for the national team, uh, the players he will call and um, yeah, um, I think that as always it, uh, it will have to do with results. If, he, if he's lucky uh, at the first matches, uh, yeah, maybe he will have his chance To be second, to fight for the second place, I I think that this is the vision. But um, I I can't be sure that um, he will be the coach of the national team for the whole uh, uh, season, for the whole period of the qualification matches. Uh, I'm not sure because, as I told you before, I don't trust uh, the guys who are um, dealing with him. I don't trust the federation, I don't trust the president, I don't trust anyone in there and um, I don't trust their intentions for the national team. I think that they don't really care about the national team and that's why they are behaving behaving to the national team the way they behave uh, and that's why uh, they taught the coach um, to behave the, the way he behaves. Um, there is a, a strong Ill- illness in uh, national football, uh, and that's why uh, the national team is in uh, this situation uh, during the latest six years.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Vasily.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, know. Uh, it was a pleasure for me. Uh, please excuse my English; I don't feel <laughs> very good with that. With that, but okay, I tried. Uh, As I told you before, uh, I used to write in English, but I I haven't used to (laughs) to speak in English. So that's, uh, I hope that uh, it was not very disturbing for for you and uh, for everyone who is going to hear the podcast.
0: You say that, but then your English was, your English was perfect. but, you know, thank you for your, your honesty, your candidness. Uh, you know, we can hear your passion. I mean, the way you speak about the national team, you know, we can tell that you're as passionate as we are about the Greek national team. And we wanted to, we wanted to give you a chance to tell to the audience, uh, you know, where they can find you, where they can follow you on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and any, any shout outs you might have or projects you're working on. Uh, now's the time.
2: Yeah, uh, they can uh, find me everywhere. Uh, I'm, you can say that I'm trying to be active in whole uh, the social media environment. Uh, I do a lot of YouTube uh, these days. Uh, uh, I'm trying in uh, Instagram and especially in Twitter. So, I'm trying to be active and I'm always trying to communicate with uh, football fans. It, I, I enjoy talking with uh, people because I, that's why I became a journalist. Um, communication is uh, my meaning. So, uh, yeah, I'm working on my... Um, I'm trying to, to finish everything I have to do in my part for... Um, uh, our project for creating the book in English, because uh, for that um, there was a, there is um, a very good, a great uh, English uh, journalist. His name is Mike Calvin, the one who tried to translate and um, create. Uh, besides these, uh, I'm always blogging in my blog at gazeta.gr and I'm trying to write about everyone and everything in uh, football, not only Greek football. Um, I'm trying to write things about uh, other leagues. So, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, these are the things I'm doing. Um, of course, I'm always commenting on football uh, at the uh, Cosmote TV. And um, uh, from there, I had the luck to, to um, speak and uh, to analyze a lot of uh, Olympiacos games, so I'm sure that uh, we'll meet up uh, in another chance uh, maybe to discuss about uh, Olympiakos progressing in uh, Europa League, because I think that uh, until uh, the next game, uh, Pedro Martins will have enough time to make his preparation about uh, those games and, as I told you before, for this guy, uh, I am thinking that he is the best one I have ever seen in Greece. So, I have a lot of uh, belief on him about uh, European matches.
0: Well, thank you again, Vasily. It was a pleasure to have you. For all the listeners, you can follow Vasily on Twitter at v sabrakos. It's at V, the letter v s a m. B-R-A-K-O-S. You can also check him out on his YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash Vasilis Sabrakos. Great content. Check it out. And thank you, everyone, especially if you've made it this far. Remember, we have a mystery guest coming up. You got the first hint. He is a non-Greek player. So give us us your guesses. We always love it. Some of the guesses are incredible. Uh, So we'll give you another hint tomorrow. Uh, and the day after that until somebody guesses who the player is.